Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. It's where we're going to be. We're in our annual vision series. Every year uh, in the fall, we take about a month to look at what the vision of our church is. And over the past two weeks, um, I've actually had, uh, I've had the past two weeks off from preaching. And anytime that happens, I spend a lot of time in prayer. I spend a lot of time asking God, what are you up to? What are you doing? You know, what is your intentions in our church? And I began to ask this question, a very simple question. What is Saints Hill? What is Saints Hill? We're five years into a church plant. In many ways, we've beat the statistics about church planting. We've become established to a degree. And so I've been asking this question, who is Saints Hill supposed to be in Newburgh, Oregon, in this time and place in history? Now, a couple weeks ago, um, we had a staff retreat. We were in a worship gathering together, and uh, I'm just sitting down. You know, there, there's uh, singing going on, worship's going on. I'm sitting down, and I, I'm asking this question, what is Saints Hill supposed to be, Lord? What is Saints Hill supposed to be? And I just hear this simple phrase, God fills a holy temple. God fills a holy temple. Let's all say that. God fills a holy temple. We're going to do a little bit of a Bible study around this. So 1 Peter chapter 2, look down at your Bibles, uh, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, everybody say living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Everybody say spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What is the church supposed to be? You know, there's a lot of opinions out there. I went to this church and they didn't have this thing and so I just left them behind. Or I went to this church and they had this little distinctive theologically that isn't a core doctrine, but to me, I've made it a core doctrine and so I left because of it. What is the church supposed to be? Is it supposed to be a school? You know, your metaphor for your church will tell, me, tell you everything. Is your church a school where we're doing learning? Is your church a hospital where the sick come and are bandaged up? Is the church a community resource center? Let's read it again. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The church is designed to be a home. You, every single one of you in this room are living stones and you're being built into what? 
a spiritual house. In another translation, it reads like this. You are being built into the temple of the spirit or you're being built into the temple of the breath. Each of you, a living stone, each of you, a pillar within a house that is designed to give home to the very presence of God. It's your design. It is the church's design. That the function of the temple in the Old Testament, what we're going to get there a little bit today, but the house of God that the temple in the Old Testament would be given, that function would be given to the church that we would become the very temple of God, the very house of God, so that when we pray, one thing I ask, one thing that I seek, that I would gaze upon your glory all the days of my life, that I would live within the temple of the Lord, that that would actually happen in the church. Let's go a little bit deeper. Flip to the left in your Bible to Genesis chapter 28. Way to the left in your Bible, Genesis 28. It's the first book in the Bible, Genesis 28. What we're about to read is um, a, a story about Jacob. Now, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. And Jacob's on this soul-searching kind of um, journey of sorts. He's traveling, he thinks, far away from the presence of Yahweh. He thinks the presence of Yahweh he left far behind. And he's on this soul-searching journey. He's made some pretty significant mistakes, I think, uh, in his family. And here's what happens in verse 10. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob, on this soul-searching mission, journey, he lays his head upon a stone. Now, we're Bible readers, we're Bible studiers. Instantly we go, a stone. He lays his head upon a stone. Christ, the living stone. Christ, the stone the builders rejected. There's a lot of stone talk going on. He lays his head upon Christ, the stone, and what happens? He sees the spiritual reality of this place. There is a ladder. There's a, a stairway between heaven and earth, and there are angels ascending and descending. What is he seeing? He is witnessing 
just how thin the barrier between heaven and earth actually is. He witnesses just how much activity there is actually going on in a place between heaven and earth. Things that he wouldn't have perceived, he now perceives. Resting your mind on Christ reveals reality. Resting your mind on Christ reveals reality. What could have been hidden spiritually all of a sudden comes alive. See, Christians, what we, or evangelicals especially, what we do is we only do things when we feel like it. And if you only do things when you feel like it, you are rarely choosing or making the choice in, in, in moments when you could do something. It's not sin. You could do something over here. You could go to Christ. Instead of going to Christ, you're doing this thing over here. And so you're not actually resting on Christ. And because you're not actually resting on Christ, you are not seeing things as they really are. You're seeing things as people are perceiving that they are. That's different. Now, here's what I want to focus on. Anytime something is first mentioned in the Bible, there is a definition that is given to that idea or that thing. It's called the rule of first mention. So this moment here is the very first time in the entire Bible that we see the phrase, the house of God. And what is the house of God? It's defined here. Look back down at your Bibles, verse 16. It says this. It says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. You know, he thought that he left the Lord a long ways back. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. What is the house of God? This is the gate of heaven. What is the house of God designed to be? It's designed to be a gate, the gate of heaven. What is a gate? A gate is an entry point between one realm and another, between one territory and another. So I want you to think about this. Remember 1 Peter. You all are being built into what? The house of God, a spiritual house. What is the house of God? It is a gate. The entry point between heaven and earth. That is what the church is designed to be. That it, do you, I actually, I'm gathering you don't believe it. Do you believe that the church is designed to be the very entry point between heaven and earth? See, we were raised in a, in a, in a Western Christian culture, which didn't hold the church accountable to being the gate between heaven and earth and was satisfied with just being a place where you kind of go to do worship because you're kind of a Christian and it's just what you grew up doing. You are designed to be the very gate between God's realm and everyone else's realm so that when people encounter the church, they encounter an option. There's a gate set before them whenever they encounter you because you're, the li you're a living stone being built into the house of breath, the very breath that created all that you see around you. That's what the church is designed to be, and we've settled for community centers We've settled for schools where people come. No, we should just be learning. We should be doing far more than learning. We are hosting the very presence of God. This is the house of God. Imagine a place where people come. They, get, they, they come to the church. They encounter the church. And all of a sudden, they get a new mindset. Whoa, I don't have to think about the things, that, the way that I've been thinking about them. I can think about them from heaven to earth rather than earth to earth or earth to heaven. God forbid. 
a place where depression and anxiety are met with the creator's power, a place where new ideas are birthed, where renaissance begins, a place where new vision is given. You know, it says in the scriptures that people die for lack of vision. So if you're dying, if you're just maintaining, if you're living not to die, if you're trying not to die, if, you're, if you are on defense, it is because you don't have vision for your life and you need to encounter the gate between heaven and earth. He's gonna give it to you. This is what I believe Saints Hill is designed to be. This is what St. Hill is designed to be. God fills a holy house. So St. Hill, what is St. Hill? It's a house. It's the house of God. It's the gate between heaven and earth. Now, as I was asking this question over the past couple weeks, another image came to my mind. I was asking, what is St. Hill? What are we to be? And an image came to my mind that I had uh, never really thought about. I like these these things. I think we have a picture of one right here. Um, this is the image that came to my mind, one of these garden kind of balls uh, that have, it's like a fountain and the water just kind of trickles down the sides and it's a very lovely thing. It has a nice kind of, you know, water sound to it. And, 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 I, and so this image came to my mind, like, wow, that's really awesome. I, I, those are nice. What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> well, it's a stone with water coming from it. What is St. Hill supposed to be? You are living stones being built into the very house of God, the gate between heaven and earth. God, what, what, give me an image. Here's a stone with water coming from it. A bubbling, consistent source of water. A house of water. Turn to the right in your Bibles to Ezekiel 47. Can anybody find Ezekiel? Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel was a prophet um, who prophesied during one of the exile periods for Israel, and uh, he witnessed one of the most terrifying sights somebody uh, who follows God could witness. He witnessed God's glory depart from the temple. The leaders of the temple at the time, they, it's, it says within Ezekiel, that they, they said, God doesn't see us. He doesn't really care about what we're doing. And they began to worship foreign images. They began to worship animals, reptiles, things like that within the temple of God. And the glory of God departs and goes somewhere else. But Ezekiel also sees something incredibly glorious. He sees, he sees the glory return to the temple. And that's where we're going to pick up. What he sees is he sees water coming from the temple. Now, water is important in the Bible. In fact, it's mentioned 722 times within the whole Bible. From the very beginning of the, of the Bible, there's spirit hovering, there's the Holy Spirit hovering over what? Water. All the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22. There's this call, if you're thirsty, come and drink the living water. Come and drink the water of life. Now, there's this moment where God shows Ezekiel a prophetic vision of the future temple with the glory returned, and the glory of God fills the temple. So here's what we have. Uh, next slide. It says this, And I saw the glory of, God, of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of what? <laughs> Rushing waters. 
and the land was radiant with his glory. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the Spirit lifted me up, brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. While the man was standing beside me, I heard someone speaking to me from inside the temple. He said, Son of man, this is the place of my throne. I have to go over here to see. And the place for the soles of my feet. This is where I will live among the Israelites. It's the dwelling of God. It's the house of God. Now, chapter 47, fast forwarding just a little bit. Here's what happens. Look down at your Bibles, verse 1. He's having this temple tour, essentially. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward, towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. So the water is coming. There's, there's, I mean, think about how this is just so amazing. There's the one whose voice sounds like rushing waters, and he comes back into the temple. And all of a sudden, water begins to leak from out of the temple, just where the altar is. It begins to leak. And the water actually gets deeper as it gets further away from the throne room. It becomes this river. Skip down to verse 8. It says, this man who's giving the tour says this to Ezekiel. This water flows towards, this is the effect of the water. This water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Water from the presence does not get contaminated by what is outside of the temple, but it actually changes what is outside of the temple. Skip down to verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. By the way, this vision is repeated in Revelation 22 as well. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit. Do you know of any tree that bears fruit every month? I don't. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. What is the church? There will be a house where God lives that is a gate between heaven and earth, that is a fountain with a stream touching those outside of the house for their good, for their healing, for their flourishing for heaven on earth. Saints Hill Church, you are the house of God, the very fountain of God's presence. The answer all throughout the Bible, when there was a problem for the, when there's a problem with the nations, when there was a problem with Israel, the answer is almost always water. It is almost always immersion. And the answer for Newburgh is the same. It is the water of the presence of God. A little stream beginning to leak out of here that gets deeper as it goes further into this town that we call home. It's the very presence of God bubbling up among a people, pouring down the sides of the church and refreshing all who touch it. And what we learn here is that the house isn't full until there's a stream coming from it. The house is not full until there's a stream coming from it. 
Psalm 46 verse 4 says this, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Let's all read this prophetically, prophesy this over our town. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Let's think about where we started. Next slide, First Peter. Here's where we started. I won't make you turn there. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are being built into the house of God, a gate between heaven and earth, a presence-filled, leaking temple. Do you believe it? Okay, all right. We'll keep going then. We'll keep going then. I'm gonna pray for you guys, actually. God, I, I, I believe what you're doing right now is you're giving us a new call, so I ask, God, that you would soften our hearts and you would give us energy by the power of your Holy Spirit to comprehend what you intend to fill. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, go ahead and turn. This is where we're gonna, this is where we're gonna end, I promise. Uh, turn back to the left in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles 16. Um, I believe that this Sunday, our church is getting a new calling and I just want to say this, if you're not up for the calling, there are so many other great churches here in Newburgh for you to attend. I really mean it. We're getting a new calling. I actually saw God like he's sliding across the desk a new, uh, like here's the new job description. It's like you've done well with the job I gave you, here's the new job description. And it's like your choice, will you take up the job description or not? And as you hear this job description, if you're like, that doesn't resonate with me, that's not for me, uh, I would even love to help you. Come talk to me. I will help you find, I'm friends with majority of the pastors in this town. I'd love to help you find a church where their job description is what you want. Um, so the past couple of weeks, you know, I'm prepping, the, I'm prepping this message. I'm thinking about this. I think this is, by the way, I mean, this is just my opinion. You're like, this stinks so far. But my opinion is that this is the most important message I've ever given at this church. I'm prepping this message this week, and um, I have just some worship music going. I'm kind of working on things. I've, I'm honestly just studying these different passages. And um, I get completely rocked two days in a row in worship, face down in the office. We have like sliding doors. I'd like slide the doors shut because I can feel like this electricity going through my body. Hannah was there actually. I'm like, I'm gonna shut these doors. Uh, Hannah's out there working and I'm like, I need some time. So I, I, I literally am face down for probably, each of these times lasted about an hour and I am just getting, the Lord is like, he, he's sliding across the job description and he's like, Here's what I have for the church. Here's what I have for the church. And it is just glorious. I have no other words for it aside from it's just like I'm saying uh, I'm sorry and yes at the same time. I'm sorry and yes at the same time. Yes, you're right. That is not what I've lived into. Yes. And he's like, it's like grace and calling and, and it's, it's, it's come up here. It's come up here. So it's, so it's hard to explain this because I'm literally just, all I'm saying is just worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb, praise you, Lord. And I get wrecked. This is not a soak. I wasn't soaking in the presence of God. This is like work. And I find myself repeating this two days in a row. Here's what, here's what comes, the first day it surprised me, the second day I had, I had a framework for it, but here's where I find myself just praying over and over and over again. Give us the ministry of the temple. 
God, give us the ministry of the temple. God, give us the ministry of the temple. I'm not satisfied with just being an interesting church. Give us the ministry of the temple. We're the house of God. We host the very presence of God. Give us the ministry of the temple. I just repeat this over and over and over again. Give us the ministry of the temple. What does that mean? Well, in heaven right now, there are elders, angels, and creatures who are doing one thing. Look at this. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives there, who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. It would be well worth our time if here on earth we dedicated ourselves to one thing, to pleasing the Lord, to ministry to him. It would be a gift. I truly mean this, Lord. It would be a gift to have our whole lives caught up in temple ministry, to have no other pursuit competing. I sense that in this past, we've had this kind of past season of individual consecration. If you haven't been around for a while or you're new to the church, we have had a pretty significant pruning uh, month of people repenting of sin left and right. Repentance has been a theme. And I get the sense that this individual consecration that we've seen is turning into corporate consecration and we are getting a new job description you are the house of God, and God fills a holy house. You know, when uh, God establishes the priesthood, all the way back in Leviticus, he lights the altar, fire. In Leviticus chapter 10, uh, Aaron and Moses go in, they worship the Lord, and, and fire comes down from heaven, and it lights the altar. God lights the altar, but it is the priest's job to keep the altar lit. Leviticus chapter 6 says this, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. Everybody say continuously. It must not go out. Now, that's our responsibility. God lights the fire. It is our responsibility to keep it lit. Look how Peter picks up the same language in 1 Peter chapter 2, what we recently read. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Think the temple. To be a holy priesthood. Think what those priests are doing. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a priest making spiritual sacrifices. What does that mean? What's a spiritual sacrifice? Well, I love what David says in uh, Psalm 14, here's what he says. May my prayer be set before you like incense. The lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Let's just pray this together. May my prayer be set before you like incense. The lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. You know, when David was king, he was called a man after God's own heart. There's a lot of speculation why that may have been, but I think it was because he perceived what delights the Lord. 
There's a moment where the Ark of the Lord, which is the, the, the Ark of the Covenants, where the presence of God dwells, comes back into Israel. So it's kind of similar to what's going on in Ezekiel. The glory of the Lord is coming back into Israel. The Ark comes back into Israel. The presence of God re-enters the city. And here's what David established. Look down at your Bibles in 1 Chronicles uh, Chapter 16, verse 4, it says this, David appointed some of the Levites, those are the priests, to minister before the ark of the Lord, to extol, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Okay? Skip to verse uh, 8. This is what he commands them to do. Or actually, verse 7. Let's go to verse 7. That day, David appointed Asaph, and his associates to give praise to the Lord in this manner. Verse 8, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Finally, skip over to verse 25. I love this. This is so good. Verse 25 says, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. This is so good, guys. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Think about the church. What's supposed to be in the church? Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. That's what's supposed to be present here. You know, I've talked to many people who they will say things like, you know, why are you guys so, so happy all the time, so joyful all the time? You know, don't you know people go through difficulty? I, I do, but it says that strength and joy are in his dwelling place. There's a culture to this room. There's a culture to this house where you don't allow your experience to trump his presence and what he brings. Here's what's happening in this passage. In addition to all the physical, very bloody sacrifices, David goes further. He instructs his priests to praise 24-7, continually. The temple ministry was a ministry to God. What is the church? Are we, am I here to minister to you or are we here to minister to him? It's a different, there's a difference. And I'll promise you this, you dedicate yourself to ministry to him and you will find yourself ministered to like you've never been ministered to before. There are things that he will give you that no human could give you. So what are they doing? Praise you. God, you're this. This is who you are. This is what you've done. There's thanks. All of the good that I have from the emotional good to the physical blessing, it's from you. There's proclamation of his character. They're, say, they're, they're, they're honoring his name. When Moses asks, what's your name? He gets a list of character qualities. So there's honor of his, of, of his character. And I love this in verse 27. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. You are the house of God. You are the rock with a leak. You are the temple with a river. You are the, you are the, you are the church of God with a constant bubbling of praise, a constant bubbling of worship. You know, somebody told me, I don't know, this is like a couple years ago. They said, you know what's so special about Saints Hill? 
like, tell me, I'd love to hear. He said, each person in this room is worshiping outside of this room as well. Guys, we have a privilege throughout all of our lives to be the home of God. Go ahead and repeat after me. I am a stone being built into the house of God, a fountain to refresh all people. Say it again. I am a stone being built into the house of God, a fountain to refresh all people. Is the greatest gift that we can give Newburgh is a covering of glory and an ease of access. The weightiness of his presence that when experienced it makes anybody go, I was made for that. I was made for him. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God and you are being built into the house of God for this very reason. Let's stand. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.